Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm Dr. Becky Bailey, the creator of Conscious Discipline, an expert in education, child development, and a lifelong teacher and learner. For those listening who are not aware of Conscious Discipline, it is a comprehensive self-regulation program that integrates social-emotional learning, climate, and discipline. In general, it provides adults and children with the skills to be disciplined enough to set and achieve goals, conscious enough to know when you're off track, and connected enough to others so you're willing to persevere. So what are real teachers? Real teachers work in education and often have children of their own who struggle in the same system. Real teachers at times seem to be more effective with other people's children than with their own. And real teachers, at times, have moments when they feel like a failure as a parent, just like all other parents do. And yet, real teachers show up day after day in the workplace to give their heart and soul to others. Real Talk for Real Teachers is a growing community of loving professionals who seek to love themselves as much as they love others. Today, we're going to be talking about academic and behavioral plans and conscious discipline. And boy, am I excited to have this topic. It's an excellent one for many of the questions I get today. Often, I hear people all the time saying, can conscious discipline work with PBIS? And I think it's time to set that record straight. First and foremost, it's common sense to know that positive behaviors that come from adults and children make a successful school. So if everybody's off the top, out of control, then our schools are going to fail. And just like reading, math, science, and art, positive behaviors are a set of skills that can and must be taught. So what is PBIS? Positive Behavior Intervention and Supports is a proactive approach, hear that, proactive approach to establishing the behavioral supports and social culture needed for all students in a school to achieve social, emotional, and academic success. It is not, let me repeat, PBS is not a program with specified set of instructions. It is a framework or an approach that came about to foster changes in school-wide discipline practices. The powers to be recognized that schools focused mainly on reacting to student behavior by implementing punishment strategies, such as reprimands, loss of privileges, office referrals, suspensions, and expulsions. And research, decades, 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 oh, 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 did I say decades, has indicated these punishment strategies are ineffective. So PBIS and conscious discipline have the same goal, moving from punishing hurtful behaviors to teaching helpful behaviors. It's important that we all realize that the PBIS framework, now again, I said framework, the PBIS approach does not provide or require schools to use specific practices. It just asks us, to include the following. And now I'm going to give you what it asked us to do, and I'm going to show you how conscious discipline does all those. One, it says, use respectful, non-punitive oriented interventions. Well, that's what we're all about. That's what the seven skills and the seven powers do. That's what we do completely. Conscious discipline is about moving from rewards and punishments to self-regulation. The second thing it requires, a focus on skill teaching. That's all we do. All upset moments, all conflicts, every moment of every day, 
is a teaching moment with conscious discipline. Every time a child is excited, sad, angry, teaching moment. Every time they push, hit, name call, do their work, finish their work, achieve phenomenal things, teaching moment. It also says, third, make sure it's evidence-based. And we are evidence-based by SAMHSA and on the National Registry. The fourth thing it says, it, you need to have an availability of a continuum of interventions that meet the needs of all students. We certainly have that. We divide them into brain states. And if you're in this state, we'll help. Here's a continuum of skills that will move you to this state and move you to the next state. And if those skills in that state don't work in a large group, we go make the group smaller, make it one-on-one. We have a continuum of interventions. The fifth thing it asks, it has ongoing assessment of student needs. First, we're in partnership with DECA for assessment. We have rubrics to help teachers and students move along and every interaction, every interaction in conscious discipline is an assessment. When you reach out to greet a child and their head drops to the floor, we're assessing. When we're teaching reading and a child pushes their papers to the side and their eyebrows go up, we're assessing every interaction is an assessment and every interaction is an intervention. And the last thing it asked in PBIS that we are data-based decision-making uh, and decision-driven by data. And as I just said, every moment is a piece of data that drives the next decision. So although the PBI's framework itself does not stipulate specific practices. Here's what happens in the translation. It's like that whisper game we used to play. You know, the federal government whispers to the state, the state whispers to the local district, the district whispers to somebody. So this is what happens. It gets confusing because some PBIS school districts or school trainers may guide schools towards specific practices or social emotional learnings. So the law doesn't state anything specific except what I shared with you. Practitioners and their interpretation may say, well, we've got to reward good behavior with tangible stuff. So we just don't use the stuff. We use internal motivation and social reinforcers. So as you can see, schools adopting conscious discipline can use the PBIS framework to ensure systematic decision-making, and schools adopting PBIS can use conscious discipline to meet the PBIS goal of supporting positive behavior in school culture. There you have it, the final word. And this, as they say in the game, that's my final answer. So today, we are talking with Fran Rubio-Katz. Now, Fran has been a teacher for 21 years. She taught in elementary schools, grades K through six. She's taught general science, grades five through nine. So she's kind of covered the gamut here. She's a certified conscious discipline instructor and is our social media manager here at Conscious Discipline. And we now have, and I, this might be a couple days old, so Fran's on the line. She'll correct us as she when she comes. We have 99,000 plus on Facebook, thanks to Fran. And I think when she started, we had... 2000. So this is, she's a communicative wizard and she's the founder of the Learning Loft and a passionate mother of two beautiful boys. And she's known to many parents as Franny 911. So welcome, Fran, to Real Talk with Real Teachers. Thank you, Becky. And tell us a little bit now, you're the founder of the Learning Loft. How exciting is this? So tell us, tell everybody listening about the Learning Loft and 
what's going on with that? Okay, so I have been a classroom teacher for many years. And as when I decided to leave the classroom, um, I was practicing conscious discipline in my classroom and it was being asked by a lot of people to come talk to their schools and their teachers about conscious discipline or different groups of parents. And at one point, I knew that I had to make a choice if I was going to pursue um, doing all these things just in my classroom or if I was going to leave the classroom. And I did leave the classroom um, and I missed it terribly. And when I took on the beautiful position that I have as the so- social media encourager, I call myself, of conscious okay, discipline. Beautiful. Um, I knew that I didn't want to get out of practice about what I'm talking about with people daily because we have people, Becky, that are reaching out to us from all over the world. And I know that tomorrow you're going to be leaving for Africa. And so we, when we, when I have this responsibility to talk about how conscious discipline is showing up to the whole world, I need to still be practicing it. So I have this little center. It's my little safe place. I have 22 children that I work with. Um, and they come here after school. A lot of the children, not all, um, have either a learning difference, a behavior difference, an attention difference. And notice I say difference because I don't believe in disabilities. I think all of us show up to this world in a unique way. And it's our job as parents and teachers to learn how to um, notice how these little people work and help them learn the skills to be their very best selves. And when they come here, we have a school family model. Um, They walk in, it's their aftercare, but they still have, the first thing they come, they do is their schmat routine. Our schmat is our shoe mat. And there is a visual representation of everything that is expected about where you put your shoes, where you put your socks, and you better go get your stinky foot spray. That's the way we keep everybody's noses safe. And then you get to come inside the learning. Learning loft. Um, but from there, it is um, there's structure and there's nurture, and it's all the different things that we have set up in all of our books. Um, I love creating the school family. Uh, that's one of our books for. Um, really thinking about how we're going to put together our emotionally intelligent structures. Um, There's great how-to sections. And if you go onto our website, and I know you know this, but I'm telling everybody who's listening, we have something called Schubert's School. Um, We used to just have Schubert's Classroom. Now we have his school. It also has a room in there for our little ones. Sophie is there now. She is our, for people who are working with uh, birth through three years old, there are so many suggestions, pictures, videos, how to um, create different things. And so many times when we have questions, of course, come and put them on our Facebook, tweet them out to us. But if you go to our website, which is a wealth of free knowledge, um, go check out Schubert School because you're going to get so many answers and then some. And, you know, interesting, because uh, you helped with this uh, pretty soon, uh, helped, you did a lot with this, uh, we're going to have so uh, Schubert's Home. Yeah. So Schubert's Home is all laid out and planned, and you'll see you can do the same thing with Schubert's School as you can go to Schubert's Home and see what's happening inside his house in regard to conscious discipline. So now, what do you do with these kids at the Learning Loft? 
So what we do is we make an individualized education plan for every single kid that comes here. And just like you're talking about PBIS, here in, I'm in Broward County, and in Broward County, we use RTI, Response to Intervention. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another framework or approach that we can be aligned with very easily. And we actually have an entire guide on our website about how we do align with conscious discipline. And we create social, emotional, and academic goals for every single child, whether they need it or not, whether they have a plan like this at their own school, whether they're qualified for exceptional education or not, we honor every child's learning style and their learning strengths, and we call, we always um, we always help our children recognize their strengths. We look for what may be a struggle, and we help them turn in those into stretches. Because we also practice yoga here, and um, I've and we tell the children the way that you become flexible, the way that you can grow is by stretching. So we pick something that may be a little more difficult for us right now. And I say right now because nothing has to ever be permanent. And we decide how we're going to make that a stretch. How will we become more flexible in that area? And the children actually help us create those goals. Oh, man, I love that. I, I mean, first of all, the whole the whole thing you're doing, I love, but struggle into stretch. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a take home right there. You know, I'm having a little struggle with uh, this jaunt to Africa in uh, doing an international keynote. So it certainly is stretching me, but right now I'm stuck in the struggle. So I need to be a little more flexible in my mind and stretch it to accommodate these uh, extra opportunities. So, okay, so now let's take it step by step. So do you have an actual child or a story? And I know that your boys had some differences in schools and stuff. Is that how you kind of got into this? Yes. So when I started my teaching career, I actually worked in a middle school that was for children that had been previously incarcerated or have not culturally assimilated. So we were getting children from Guanta Guantanamo Bay. We were um, was down in Miami-Dade County. We were getting children that had been um, detained at the Chrome Detention Center. And we were um, helping them. We were like a stepping stone back into the public school system. So when I had had children, I thought, who is going to be a better mother than me? And <laughs> <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, my first one really threw me for a loop. Um, he, as we say, as you have titled the book so appropriately, was easy to love but difficult to discipline from the get-go. And I really didn't know what to do. And because before ever having my child, I kind of said I had a very charmed life. My parents really sheltered me. Um, I didn't have a lot of, now I realize I didn't have a lot of opportunity to grow and learn from natural consequences. But boy, oh boy, did I get a quick lesson. And how thankful and grateful I am to that I had conscious discipline to lead the way. Because starting from the time my oldest was about 15 months old, I could start to see that there were some differences. And I became 
reactive. I did not know how to respond to this little guy. So fortunately for me, um, one of my childhood friends, her name is Mindy Becker, and she's awesome. She's a master instructor with us yes, at Conscious is. Discipline. Yes. She, um, she used to have a business called Auntie M to the Rescue. And um, Auntie M came over and she said she was just going to observe me working with my son, who at the time now was at about two years old and already had become um, an identified land shark. And for those of you who don't know what a land shark is, it's a toddler that bites. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you're the if you're the parent of a land shark, um you are also treated like you are scary and bad and a lot of people don't want you around and that actually really throws you further into the lower brain states where it is. Yes, exactly. More, yeah, and it becomes yeah. so much more difficult to respond and access our wiser parts of ourself. So when Mindy came that first day and she was watching me um, work with Alex when she was done, I was like, did you see it? Did you get it all? Did you, did you see when he did this? Did you see that? And she just looked at me and she's like, you know, because you're my friend, I get to put it out to you like this. She's like, girl, it's not him. It's you. (laughs) She's like, listen, he's having some stuff. She's like, but you are like, you're just a nut. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what what are we going to do with me then? And I just really. um, I love that. What are we going to do with me then? That's a great line too. What are we going to do with me then? (laughs) And that's where my journey began. And she said, I'm going to start teaching you how to respond. And the first thing she taught me to do is be a star. And I have to tell you at the time that my son started showing that he was having differences and I was very reactive. It did. And I was not feeling accepted by other parents at the school. Um, And then, of course, I had my own family who only out of their love and from their heart, but basically was telling me it's all my fault because I'm doing everything wrong. Um, You put that all into combination and you tell somebody to try and take a deep breath. um, It was really hard to find the oxygen. And then she taught me how to start um, affirming to myself, I am safe. I am calm. Keep breathing. I can handle this. And I have to tell you this really interesting thing, and it still happens now when I really get into that red part of my brain when I'm in my survival state, my I, my inner voice starts saying to me, you are safe, you are calm, keep breathing, you can handle this. And I know when I'm starting to shift up and that elevator is moving up back to the top floor to that green part, because all of a sudden that internal dialogue goes to, I am safe. I am calm. Keep breathing. I can handle this. Wow. Wow. And my guess is that over these years, uh, you're not struggling with that inner critical voice as hard. It's just now more of a, a voice that just supports you along the way. Is that true, Fran? Yes. I have a yes. much more supportive inner voice. And so, um, you know, anybody that's... Um, knows me, I often talk to my about my father, who is the most delicious, wonderful man on earth who has provided me the most beautiful life. 
and he happens to have a critical voice uh, with a Cuban accent. So when I start <laughs> to feel critical of myself, there is his voice. I talk to myself with this Cuban accent and I'm like, wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> Let's, let's rewind. Let's rewind that. And it's funny because I'm even learning how to give that voice um, a different a different side. So where in the past, when I felt like I made a mistake or didn't know how to handle something, where my inner voice m- might have said, like, what are you, stupid or something? Now I say, pussy cat, you can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay, let's shift back now. Let's go back to the how you do this IEP at your learning uh, loft as kind of a framework for those listening to use conscious discipline and, you know, of course, other resources. We'll just focus on the behaviors now and and how you kind of go about that process that they might could replicate and find some success from. Absolutely. So, um Like I mentioned, on our website, we have an RTI guide. I download and print an RTI guide from our website every time I work with a new family. And the... One of the big highlights in that guide is on page seven of that um, guide, and it talks about wanted behavior and unwanted behavior. So in my practice, what I've learned to notice because is to f- see what is that unwanted behavior, but then we have to focus on what we want to have happen and what we want the children to do, which is from the power of, a- of attention, which is the skill of assertiveness. And from there, I can then identify what is the behavior that I want. And I think that a lot of times we get stuck. We're like, but the- he's doing this, but she's doing this. Okay, great. Yay. You identify the I want unwanted behavior. Let's breathe. Let's affirm. Let's do our active calming. And now let's make a shift and focus on that wanted behavior. Then I think about what would be a tier one intervention. Tier one interventions are interventions that are for all of the children. If they're in your classroom, if you, what, what any child that comes into your classroom, into your school, it's how you're going to handle them. It's the structures you set up, the language of safety that you're going to use. All of those things are your tier one interventions. Um, So then I think about, does this child need a tier two intervention to make a shift? And tier two interventions are more um, interventions for small groups. 15 to 20% of the children may need a tier two intervention, and we create a tier two intervention. And I'm going to give you a specific example soon. So just stick with me for a second. And then a tier three intervention is something for maybe one to three, maybe 5% of the population may need. And it's more of a very individualized one-on-one intervention. So I'll give you an example. Um, All righty. I went into a school and I acted like a fly on the wall. And um, the observation that I made is that when the class was singing and dancing to music, um, the little boy that I was there watching, he was able to stay engaged for the beginning of each song, approximately 15 to 20 seconds. And then he would stop singing and dancing and he'd start shouting, that hurts my ears, that hurts my ears. Um, 
And so the unwanted behavior that I helped the teacher define um, using the safety of language is there's a lack of participation and then there's disruption. And so we then talked about, well, what is the wanted behavior? And we realized is we want to help this child learn to self-regulate when he's feeling overstimulated. And I, we also knew at that point that the child would need additional assistance. So if you looked at the behavior plan under the unwanted behavior, it would say lack of participation and disruption. And then the wanted behavior that corresponds with that would be child needs additional assistance in learning how to self-regulate behavior. So then we talked about what are the strategies we're going to use to teach the wanted behavior. So first we looked at what would be the universal-wide tier one strategies to teach this. And these are all listed on our um, guide, but we put adults remember that disruptive students are dis disconnected students. Um, another tier one universal um, strategy is that adult needs to shift from reactive procedures to proactive strategies. And another tier one universal intervention is that, um, that the, we're going to teach the child stress reduction techniques because in a conscious discipline school family, learning stress reduction techniques is part of a, our daily practice. Um, a tier two intervention that we put into place, and this school was, was still using rewards and punishment. Um, but they made an exception when I talked to them about this tier two intervention. I asked them not to initiate any more tangible incentives such as token economies because that's just not going to work for this little guy. It's about his brain state. It's about feeling not safe and not connected. It's not about him trying to earn a, a trip to the treasure box. Those things were just not even in his on his radar because he was in a place where he felt so overwhelmed and so overstimulated. Um, and I even put in the report that these rewards will undermine the long-term goal of permanent behavior change. And I asked to use positive social reinforcement, such as hugs and high fives, pinky hugs, time together, meaning reading with the teacher, eat lunch with the teacher, et cetera, and encouragement for student success. Um, and then a tier three uh, intervention is that we incorporated because we, you know, the environment that we create is part of the universal intervention, but this child really needed some very specific um, things that he could do to help him regulate in the environment. So we had to make some changes to the environment. We uh, were able to put certain, um, these things, they look like tennis balls on the bottom of the chair so they wouldn't make these horrible squeaking noises when he pulled it out from his desk because that was happening often. It was very startling to him. Um, yeah. We, we, yep. And we also had, um, when he goes to his safe, when he goes to the safe place and I help them create a safe place, which for those of you who are listening who are not yet familiar with, um, our approach, a safe place is a non-punitive area where children can go use these self-regulation skills and dis stress disengaging techniques that, um, that we teach them at other times, calm times, happy times throughout the day. So when he, um, became very stimulated, 
did. He always had the right to choose to pass on something and he would go into the safe place and he could put on some noise canceling headphones. Um, and that, and he was able to recharge himself from that. And, you know, children want to do the right thing. People get really nervous. Oh, what if the other kids want to do that? And, oh, what if, you know, he never comes out of the safe place? We have all these what ifs that stem from our own fear. And that is where we have to put ourselves in. We got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. We got to breathe and remember that if we truly start to build a school family, the children will almost celebrate that that child is going to get what he needs in that moment. And they'll understand that that will come back around for them when they need that support and they will. Well, that is beautiful. So you've stepped us through the whole thing. And and for our listeners, I'm going to sum this up and you add to it, Fran, if we need to. So I'm going to give you some immediately you can do this tips for tomorrow. So the first thing I heard you say is in regard to these behavior plans, just go to the website and download the form. Yes. I mean, that's our first step. And then look over that form. And I think uh, the second thing that you really pointed out that is vital for our listeners is to identify what the unwanted behavior is, not all of them at one time, but what's this particular unwanted behavior, and then say, okay, now what does the what do you want the child to do? And then you're going to break that down into for that child to do that, for that child to stay participating, for that child to stay engaged during uh, circle time or singing, that child's going to need additional resources environmental or prompts from the teacher to be successful. So we make those lists. So these are called our interventions. What can we do with this child? Is that correct? Have I got it? You've got it so far. And I am going to add something to this. That Okay, good. As we start to make that list, we must consider the overall developmental question being asked by the child. And the child is not going to be like, this is what I want or this is what I need. We're going to know that question because we're going to see the behaviors and the behaviors are communicating to us the brain state that the child may be in. So we have to determine, is this child asking am am I safe? Is this child asking, am I loved? Or is this child asking, what can I learn from this? And Excellent. that that's very important. And that is huge. And one thing I want to add, then we'll just keep adding. You and I'll be a, a additional problem. One thing that's important to understand, if the child does not have a person, now by a person, you know, we can think Grey's Anatomy, who's your person? But just someone that they can count on and they can trust and they feel, uh, well, just basically countonable and trustworthy. If they don't have a person, none of these interventions that we've tried will work because, as Fran just pointed out, the child, am I safe? No. Am I loved? No. So we can't start at the top. What can I learn from this? And often we do start at the top. Here's the skills we need. And we forget just what you said. And, and I, who created this thing, just forgot it. So thank you, Fran. And so that's what state are they in? We've got to answer that. Then we make our interventions to accommodate that child. And then we decide, is this a universal one that all kids need if you're not doing conscious discipline? Is it a, a tier two where I can do it in a small group or does that child need one-on-one to make these uh, changes and accommodate his differences to our differences and make a successful win-win? 
Mm-hmm. And so here comes the adding machine. I'm adding a little okay. more. Go ahead. Uh, add away. Um, so once we make this plan, the next thing that is very important is to um, understand who is going to be doing what. Who is going to create? Maybe you need additional vi- additional visual aids for the ch- for this implementation plan. Who's making them? Who's going to do that? Um, we also need to understand how we will start to track behaviors to see if our inve- if our intervention is working. We recommend that you track for at least six weeks. Um, and six consistent weeks. Right now, we just had a storm he- down here in Florida, and it's yet- yesterday was the first day back to school in seven school days, and it's almost like everybody's had to start from scratch. So if there was anybody that was already implementing an intervention plan, my I would encourage them to start from scratch at this point. Um, and like you were saying at the very beginning of this podcast, Becky, you said that every action is the way that we collect data and every interaction is an intervention. So we let's be really mindful of what the actions are, collect that data, think about those developmental questions so that we can create an interaction that is intervention worthy. And then let's decide how are we going to track those things. Um, we And there's all different ways to track things and um, different programs and different approaches have their different methods. So if you're looking at three out of five times, the child will go to the safe place unprompted. Or maybe we're looking at the number of um, the frequency rate of aggressive behaviors over um, a six-week period daily. We have to understand how we're going to define that so that we can really measure um, where the difference is because we want to know what's working. We don't want to measure because we want to say, look, he didn't change or she didn't change. We want to know that our interventions were meeting the child's needs. And then if the data proves that the intervention strategies are not working, what is the next step? What is our protocol going to be? And one of the things, now we're keep adding, so this is another plus one. Sounds like we're going on a date here, Fran. (laughs) You're going to be my plus one. So when we look at what we're counting, it's very important because what you focus on, you get more of. So I encourage people to count the wanted behavior. What was the increase? So if we're looking at seeing a reduction in aggression, we're going to be looking at the numbers of times the child says, move, please, or uh, may I have a turn, or whatever the situation that provokes that, triggers that child's aggression. So count your wanted behaviors so that you can see they're increasing, 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 and they generally will increase exponentially. So it starts off a little slow in your counting, and then bam, and that's why the six weeks period is uh, a good length of time to see that exponential growth, and to let that skill become internalized because it takes so much practice to make a new neural path in the brain. Okay, so now let's go into and tell us, just update us all, Fran, on, on what you do as our social media and how can people know us, find us, and just tell us about all you do okay. with our social media. I will tell you about that gladly. So 
our Facebook community has become, like you said, 99,000 plus people strong. And it started at maybe 2,000. And when we started, not everybody was open to teaching a different skill as a mean of, means of discipline. And so some people didn't really know what we were talking about. But as the word of conscious discipline spreads and as people learn how they can start incorporating our framework into their framework, um, people are trying, are getting curious and they want to have a place where they can ask questions, where they can celebrate their successes, where they can say, you know what, I had an oops, what do you think I can do about this? And this is what our community has become. Um, as our community started to get stronger, not only did we increase the amount of people in it, but the amount of people that are participating in our conversations is really f- unbelievable. Um, we had 41 people add their um, insight and ask questions recently on one thing that we put out where in the past we would maybe have a person like it or a couple people write something, but 41 people to say, you know what, I'm going to contribute to this conversation. And then those conversations end up being other conversations. And if anybody's ever been to, uh, Summer Institute, our CD1, um, we find ways to connect with each other. We have pictures up on a board and we use a piece of yarn once we realize how we make a connection. And our social media platforms have become an extension of that, how we continue those connections and conversations once we leave our learning communities. Wow. So we have this uh, huge massive friends and family board out there that seems to me working. Because I remember back in the day, you'd put up a post and everybody go, well, that's not right. This is how you're supposed to do it. I mean, they were, it was mostly an argument as opposed to a conversation. And, and I've seen that myself. And that transition from a argument to a conversation is so beautiful. And, and thank you so much, Fran, for grabbing hold of that and helping it grow and be that beautiful conversation where people can get insights and information and contribute and give back. Thank you. And I just want to mention that a lot of school districts are on Twitter. And that is something in the last year and a half to two years that's really exploded. And we're over 7,000 people strong in our Twitter community. And people are posting daily from their schools, their classrooms, their cafeterias, their playgrounds, their school buses, showing us how conscious discipline is showing up for them in their daily lives at their schools. So that's always, that's also a wonderful resource. Wow. You know, I keep trying to get on that Twitter thing. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to I set up two office, accounts friend. for you. I know <laughs> you did. And I'm just, uh, come, uh, I'm, oh my gosh, and I'm just blessed you're in my life because I'm so untech savvy, but I'm going to give it a go. I've got two accounts that one of them's got to work for me. All right. We're gonna let you keep being the wizard at what you do, and let okay. and I'll and I'll cover the rest of the social media stuff. All right, uh, it sounds like a deal. So with that, Fran, we're gonna we're gonna end, and I want to thank you so so much for all your wisdom, all your skills, and don't forget all our social media. Fran has just told you about it. I'm gonna commit to Twitter, 
So you people out there listening, what are you going to commit to? You heard a lot of information today. And Fran is uh, always available. And she works very hard to meet the needs of all our, our learning community. So I want to thank you, Fran, and for the people listening, for those listening. And I'm speaking for Fran and myself and all the Conscious Discipline family. Until next time, I wish you well. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.